All right, if you have your Bible this morning, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Joel. The book of Joel, and I know it can be a difficult book to find in the Bible, because it's a small book. And uh, it's right before the book of Amos. And that comes before the book of Andy. You know Amos and Andy. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I guess I'm a little bit older than I thought I was. <laughs> I, I got a few chuckles, didn't I? Anybody? Okay. Who has not heard of Amos and Andy? Raise your hand. You've never heard of Amos and Andy. Well, I should have had more laughs than that. We forgive you, Madison, for not knowing. I thought I had more chuckles. Than... But anyway, the book of Joel. If you don't know, Madison, go look up Amos and Andy when you, when you get out of here. Don't look it up now, but when you, when you get out of church, look up Amos and Andy. You'll find out what that is. Uh, this portion of Scripture, I want to read it and I'll explain it. But I, I really think uh, it's fitting in our day and age. More so even, I, I think today, it's very fitting. And I mean for this day, for right now, and for this moment. It's 11.19 a.m., I believe what I'm about to read you from the scripture and preach to you, I believe it is very relevant for right now. So I want you to keep that in mind, okay? Now, let me read the verse and we'll talk about it and get into the message. But in the book of Joel, you find chapter number three, and I want you to look with me in verse 14. Joel chapter three, verse 14. Notice it says, multitudes, multitudes. In the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. And just for a few minutes this morning, I want to bring a message entitled, The Valley of Decision. Because I believe there's a lot of people that have been standing in that valley of decision. And I want to point this out to you today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again. And Lord, I pray, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would hover over this place and take the very scripture that we read and preach and apply it to our hearts and do a work that's needed and a work that would be pleasing unto God. For we ask these blessings in Christ's name. Amen. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. You ever had to make decisions about things? Yes. Hey, are we alive today or what? We've had to make decisions about things, haven't we? You know, uh, there's some decisions that we shouldn't have to make. There's some decisions that ought to be just kind of etched in us that we're going to do this. But we have to make decisions. Decisions are part of our daily lives. Uh, you have to make choices, decisions. And the context of this chapter, in Joel chapter 3, this is a time when God is going to judge the earth, okay? God is going to uh, give judgment. Uh, matter of fact, I could look at verse number 2. Back in verse number 2, it says, And I will also gather all nations... And will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. And I will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel. Whom they have scattered among the nations. 
and parted my land. Now, what he's talking about here, gathering all the nations and, and entering to judgment with them there, the valley of Jehoshaphat is the valley of decision. And uh, the word Jehoshaphat means that God judges. Okay, so the decision, the decision being made uh, in, in this valley here, there's a judgment that's going to come from God. Now, this is an actual place, by the way. And I'll talk about that here in a little bit uh, in the Kidron Valley on the east side of Jerusalem, this valley of Jehoshaphat. It's a real place. This is not just figurative language here. It's a real place. And so the focus of Joel's writing here in chapter three is on a day that is to come, a future day, which is known as the day of the Lord. OK, now in this day of the Lord, it's going to include a gathering of the nations. That's what verse two was talking about. It's going to also be a judgment on wickedness. Uh, in verse 13, it says, Put ye in the sickle, and for the harvest is ripe, and come get you down, for the press is full, the fats overflow. Notice this, for their wickedness is great. There's a great wickedness. There's a judgment that's coming. Uh, Joel's prophecy uh, even so much, it mentions there in verse 15, it says, The sun and the moon shall be darkened, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. And we're talking about a fierce judgment of God, so fierce that, that, that the, 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 the moon, the stars, the sun, they're not even going to shine. There, there's a darkness of God's wrath that will take place. Okay? Now, when, when we read all this, we find, according to Joel's prophecy here, that if you were starting to read some of Jesus, his own words in the Gospels, especially the Olivet Discourse that we've looked at so many times. And you can read over there in Matthew chapter 24, uh, in Matthew chapter 25, you can read through there. And what the, 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 where it coincides with this is a lot in part to do with the judgment of the sheep and the goats. The sheep-goat judgment. Where God's going to divide those who are goats. And those who were sheep. And uh, remember Jesus talked about. Well we just sang a song about my sheep know my voice. Uh, either you're a sheep. Following Christ. Or you're an imposter. A goat. And there's going to come a day where there's going to be a dividing of that. It's the sheep goat judgment. And so this coincides with what Jesus uh, is talking about here. We're not talking about. Uh, we're not talking about a fictional scene. We're not talking about uh, making an analogy of something here. We're talking about something literally that's going to happen. Matter of fact, uh, you read the book of Revelation and, and start tying all this together. A lot of people think Revelation is just a uh, some kind of movie script out of Hollywood. No, no, no. Uh, Revelation, Armageddon, all that stuff is going to happen. OK, it's going to happen. And so Joel's prophecy here in, in, in writing this, he's describing this particular time uh, in great de detail because when you get through the sheep goat judgment, you go into, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of the thousand year millennial reign. Uh, he even mentions uh, some of that when you get down to verse 18, he just starts describing that scene. Uh, verses 18 through 21, it says, and it shall come to pass. In that day that the mountains shall drop down with new wine and the hills shall flow with milk and all the rivers of Judah shall flow with waters and a fountain shall come forth 
of the house of the Lord and shall water the valley of, of Shidom and Egypt shall be a desolation and Edom shall be desolate, a desolate wilderness for the violence against the children of Ju- Judah, because uh, they have shed innocent blood in their land. But Judah shall dwell forever and Jerusalem from generation to generation, for I will cleanse their blood that I have not cleansed for the Lord dwelleth in Zion. We're talking about a time where God is going to rule. We're talking about a time where the Lord himself is going to set up a a earthly kingdom and rule and reign. Uh, We're talking about a thousand year millennial reign that's going to take place. And boy, I could really chase some rabbits here, but we're talking about a time where every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, I'll be honest with you. uh, I want to be on the end. And I know I am, by the way, Uh, I want I already confess him as my Lord. I already confess him as my savior. But there's going to come a day where every God cusser and God denier and atheist, whatever you want to call them, they are going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, there's a lot of I understand there's a lot of different religions and theologies and this, that and the other. I'm not trying to be theological today. I'm not trying to push a denomination or religion. I'm just wanting to tell you what the Bible says. Okay, this is what the Bible says. Now, Joel is given this. Now, he's describing it in great detail. I won't go there, but you can read Revelation chapter 20, read verses 1 through 7. You're going to find some more detail to that in regarding that thousand year millennial reign. But it it seems that, that God desires us to know that the millennial kingdom is not allegory. It's not fiction. It is a literal time that will take place. And there's a specific time that is going to take place. When you start following the timetable and God's timetable of things and start seeing this is an event that will take place. uh, And and when you study all that out and try to piece all the pieces of the puzzle together, we know that uh, after that, there's going to be a final battle. And we know that heaven and earth, uh, the the old uh, earth and everything's going to burn up, melt away. We know that there's going to be a new Jerusalem, by the way. We're talking about a, a heavenly city coming down out of heaven. And we'll go and be with the Lord in a place that he prepared for those who love him. Okay. Now, that being said, I want you to notice that all the nations of verse 14 were gathered multitudes, multitudes. In the valley of decision. I've got three things in regarding this valley of decision that I want you to think about today. Okay. Now, let me say this. God knew who was going to be here long before I knew who was going to be here today. Okay? I want you to think about this. I want you to listen to this, this valley of decision. Let me give you the first thing this morning, and that's this. Everyone individually is responsible for their own decision to accept or reject Christ. I'm going to say that again. Every one of us individually is responsible for our own decision to accept or reject Christ. Now, I've read the Bible. I I know in Titus chapter 2, verse number 11, it tells us, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. All men. All men. That grace of God. In other words, that invitation, that invitation that's sent out, that grace of God, it doesn't matter what color you are, doesn't matter how much money you have, doesn't matter your, your background, that that grace of God extends to every person. Now, I know that. That grace of God has appeared to all men, mankind. Listen, we are broken. We're sinners. 
We need deliverance. We've been when we born into this world, we, we had a sin nature about us that brought condemnation and damnation upon us. That's why Jesus Christ had to go to a cross and die for our sin to shed his blood to pay for my sin. And so because of all that, grace has been extended to all people, all people. And when I say that, I'm talking about the very people uh, that, that would cuss God and deny him. The ones that would hate Christians, the ones that would try to bring persecution upon the church. God loved each and every one of them. The ones who wouldn't love God, he loved them first. That decision. You see, you have to make a choice. You have to either accept Christ. And if you don't accept him, that's rejecting him. And when you stand before God in judgment. He's not going to ask you what church you belong to. He's not going to ask you if you've taken communion. He's not going to ask you, uh, have you been baptized? He's not going to ask you, have you done penance? He's not going to ask you, have you put money in the offering plate? He's not asking you how many candles you lit. He's not going to ask you any of that. You know what he's going to do? He's going to look in the books. And that book of life, if your name is not written down in that Lamb's book of life, he's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. And it all goes back to this day, this hour, and the valley of decision. Everyone is responsible for their own decision. Individually. To accept or reject Christ. Say, preacher, I come from a good family. My, my, my grandparents, they, they did this and this for the church. They, they, bought, they bought a pew or they, they, they donated sewing books. Or they, they even bought bricks for the building. Hey, those are wonderful things, by the way. But that's not going to get you any closer to heaven. I, here's one for you. Well, my daddy was the preacher. The pastor of the church. I told my kids a long time ago. They are individually responsible for their own salvation. My job as a parent is to lead them in the way that they should go, that they might hear the message. But each person individually has to make that decision for Christ. And I want you to understand that no decision is rejection. There's a lot of people think, well, if I just ignore the truth, then God's going to overlook it on me. No, no, no. He's not going to overlook it. He's given grace to all people and those who reject that grace. Listen, you can you can go out and look up in the, the night sky and you can see the stars twinkling and you can see the moon. And the Bible tells me that the heavens themselves declare that there is a God. That creation bears witness that there is a God. I want us all listen, I, I, I have a tender heart this morning. I mean, I, y'all hear me preach all the time where I. I can rear back and just give it shotgun style. But I'm burdened today that there are people in the valley of decision. They need to come to Christ. They need to receive that free pardon of sin. The very first thing I want us to know is everyone. If you're sitting here today, or whether you wind up watching this on YouTube, or whether you're out in a parking lot listening through the radio, you are individually... Responsible for your decision to accept or reject Christ. Let me give you another one this morning. We're talking about the valley of decision. God's grace has given you this day to make a decision for Christ. God's grace has given you this day to make a decision for Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, 
Second Corinthians chapter six. Look at verse number two. He says, for he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. And in the day of salvation, have I succored thee? Behold. Now. Now is the accepted time. Behold. Now. Now is the day of salvation. Now. I preface this message by saying that for this specific day, for, the, for this specific time frame, God knew who was going to be here and he knew who was going to need this message. Now. Well, preacher, I, I'll make a decision for Christ uh, here soon. Uh, no, now. Now. Why is it important now? Here's why. Because you're not promised five minutes from now. I remember as an 11-year-old boy in church, a lady in the church house uh, during a revival service uh, on the second row uh, fell over one night in church. Oh, yeah. There's been people that have left church and on their way home had an accident and never made it back to church. You see, now, now is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. God's grace. Here's, here's what's, what's so wonderful about God's grace. I'm saying how much God loves you is that the fact that you have rejected him over and over and over. Yet he allowed you today another opportunity to experience his grace and to hear his message. He's given you today to make a decision for him. There's no way in the world. That you could stand before God. And say, God, you didn't love me. And God's going to remind you all the opportunities that you heard a gospel message. And you rejected him for whatever reason. And listen, I know reasons in our own minds are valid for whatever extent. There's been people that's been embarrassed about this or ashamed about this. People have their own different reasons why they don't come to Christ. But I'm telling you, all of those re- reasons that you validate when you stand before God, He's not going to validate them. You know why? Because He knew in eternity past that he, we needed salvation. And He knew in His sovereign plan that He was going to send His Son, His only begotten Son, to die for you. And there's nothing else we can do about that except for receive Him and His free pardon of sin. That's the only payment that we have for our sin. God's grace has given you this day to make a decision for Christ. I can't tell you through the years how many people that I personally have seen reject him, reject him, reject him, never to come to Christ. I can't tell you funerals that I preached where I honestly didn't know if the person was in heaven or hell. Now, let's be honest. Only we know, only you know if you're saved, only I know if I'm saved. But there's evidence and fruits that our life should be given. There's a testimony to be lived that when I do stand uh, behind the pulpit at a funeral, that I I can have a testimony to build upon. But there's been people, I I don't know if they, listen, I've done funerals for people that didn't even have a preacher, that didn't go to church. And you have been given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to hear the gospel message. If you've raised your hand that you needed Christ. And to my knowledge never made 
a decision in that area and then you die tomorrow. What am I supposed to stand and say at your funeral if I'm the one speaking your funeral? Do you ever think about that? A lot of times reality don't set in with us. That one day we're going to die. And none of us know that day. It's appointed that a man wants to die. And after this is judgment, that's why now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. It's important. God's grace has given you this day right now to make a decision for Christ. Are you still with me this morning? My heart's burdened today. It's burdened. I know there's people that need the Lord. Can I give you another one? Let me say this. We're talking about a valley of decision. We're talking about understanding that everyone is responsible for their own decision. Understanding that God's grace has given us right now, this day, to come to Him. Let's look at another one. And this is so important. Because the time frame for you to make a decision for Christ, that window of time is running out. It's running out. I can remember being young, and I'm still young, by the way. I was talking to, there's people in here have been married longer than I've been alive. I was hearing people talking about being married 15, 16, you know, years and so, and Lord, and mercy, that's wonderful. But I, can, I can remember being 10, 11, 12 years old and, and thinking, man, that's a long way till 50, till you get 46. And then 50 don't sound too bad. Hmm? But when we're young, we think we have all this time. But something's going to happen to you one day. Just like that, 20 years are going to be gone. Just like that, another 20 years are going to be gone. And that valley of decision that you stood in all the many years prior. And you're going to look back at your life. And you're going to put yourself in your conscience being seared and becoming harder and harder to the things of God. I want you to know that every time you reject Christ, you're taking a very, very strong gamble of hardening your heart even more so. Remember Moses went to Pharaoh with a message from God, let my people go. You know what, you know what, Moses, uh, you know what Pharaoh did? He hardened his heart. He heard the truth. He saw the signs and wonders of God and he hardened his heart. The time frame... For you to make a decision for Christ is running out. Let me show you something. In the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 3. Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 3. Let me read the verse and explain it. It says, and the Lord said. Now, the very first thing, and the Lord said. I want you to know, Brother West didn't say this. The deacons didn't say this. And the Lord said, my spirit, whose spirit? God's spirit. Notice what it shall not do. It shall not always strive with man. That striving, that struggle. You see, there was a time when what he's talking about here says, for he that is also uh, his flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. This was a time where God looked upon the earth and saw that the wickedness of mankind was so great that the, the very imagination of man's heart was on evil continually. 
and God pronounced judgment. He said, I'm going to give him 120 years to get right. 120 years. And you know, if, if you read the rest of the Bible, and you know what, uh, what happened here. This is going to be the time where he's also going to speak to Noah. The Bible tells us that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And in verse number 8 of chapter 6, and Noah's going to be given the instructions to build the ark. You know how long it took him to build the ark? 120 years. And he gave, God gave mankind 120 years to get right. Can you imagine the mockery that Noah and his family faced as they're building this ark? Talking about rain and a flood and, and nobody knew what that was at the time. The mockery. But when the time expired and judgment came, the rains fell. And the floodwaters came up. And the Bible says that God shut the door of the ark. God shut the door. Noah didn't shut the door. God shut the door. And can you imagine all the people beating on the door of the ark saying, Noah, let us in. You were right. Let us in. We believe. But there was a problem. Grace had ran out. It was time for judgment. The door was shut. And it all goes back to the first part of the verse where he said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. Jesus said this, that no man can come to the Father except the Spirit draw him. Conviction. You know what happens when you, whether you're sitting on a church pew or somewhere else and and you hear a message or read a scripture and, and the Holy Spirit starts drawing, working on you. And then in your heart and mind, you've got whatever valid reasons you have to not receive him. There's a striving going on, a struggle. The spirit trying to pull you to salvation, but your flesh rejecting and pushing it away. And, and there's a pull and a push. And God says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. There's going to come a day, dear friend, where that struggle will come to an end. Now, I can't tell you when. For those who took their last breath without Christ, I know for sure that was the end of their grace. You see... In Joel chapter 3, verse number 14, ultimately, what this is a picture of, that valley of decision, listen to me, that valley of Jehoshaphat, that judgment, that, that's not a picture of human beings deciding whether or not they're going to follow Christ. That picture... Is a picture of those who've already made the decision to reject Christ. And what we find here is God is handing down his decision of judgment at the end of the tribulation period. You see, wickedness is going to be dealt with decisively, swiftly, justly, whatever you want to add to it. And those who rejected Christ are going to find themselves separated. 
You say, well, well you know, I, I'll, I'll endure and go all the way and get to this valley, then I'll decide Christ. You missed the whole point. This valley of decision in, in Joel chapter 3 is not for you. It's actually an execution, an execution of judgment by God. It's His decision to pronounce judgment. Your valley of decision is right now. Right now. Your valley of decision is every time you've been to this church house. You've either accepted Him or rejected Him. Your valley of decision is every time the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. Because I'll tell you this, the sermon, we can end to be out of here at 12, but the Holy Spirit doesn't shut off at 12 o'clock. Conviction follows us a long way. And whether you've been sitting on a church pew or whether you've been at home, when that Holy Spirit convicts your heart, strives with you, that's your day of decision. That's your valley of decision. But there's going to come a day when all the nations are there, multitudes and multitudes gathered, and God's going to pronounce His judgment on the earth. On the earth. And it doesn't matter who the president is at that time. It doesn't matter who, who the world leaders are at that time. Isaiah wrote that, that the Lord's going to rule with a rod of iron. That decision is going to be made and we're not going to have a say about it. And I close with this today. You are right now in your valley of decision. If I personally could impart salvation to you, I would do that. But I can't. Every one of us is individually responsible to whether we accept or reject Christ. Now, my prayer is this. If you're standing in that valley of decision today, that whatever it is that's caused you to reject Him, understand that whatever it is, it's a lie of the devil. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. Red, yellow, black, and white, rich or poor, doesn't matter. Man, woman, boy, or girl, if God has dealt with you, you need to make your decision for Him today. Let's bow our heads if you would. We're going to have a verse of invitation. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. No one looking around. As musicians come and get ready for the invitation... I've done this many, many times. I've asked questions. <clears throat> Not going to interrogate you this morning. But if you're here today and you say, Preacher, right now I'm in that valley of decision. I know I need to accept Christ. Preacher, pray for me. Would you slip your hand up? I'm in that valley of decision. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? You don't have to be embarrassed. You come to Christ, you're going to receive love, encouragement, and we'll welcome you with open arms. Is there anybody else? Only you know where you stand. Would you come to Him today? Father in Heaven, we thank You for this, once again, opportunity to preach Your Word. Thank you for these that came. Thank you for the word that was given. And may the Holy Spirit do a work of conviction.
to draw that one to you today. For we ask these blessings in Christ's name. Amen. So we stand to our feet.